The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I'm so glad that you joined us today because this is an incredibly important show. Your life is at stake, in fact. Uh, We're going to be talking about and giving you the real scoop behind Obama's health care plans. And I can guarantee you don't know the real scoop because if you did, you'd be out there on the streets of Washington or or perhaps uh, the federal building in your own town or somewhere calling your congressman uh, to tell them that you don't want this. Because like sands in the hourglass, there go the days of our lives. Today I have the leaders of an important, the most important organization that's helping to protect patients, and this will be affecting you in your future. My guests today are all leaders of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Um, They have been fighting the good fight, but the real key is getting the message out. And um, let me give you some hot-off-the-presses news today that is very scary. Uh, A majority of Americans are in favor of having a public or government-run option in the U.S. healthcare system. They did a survey online, a Harris poll. They polled over 2,000 United States adults, and they found 52% of them were in favor of a government-run health plan. This was between July 9th and 13th, so perhaps This number has gone down as people sort of gradually learn more about what is being proposed. Uh, Just 30% of people were against. And uh, 70% of people said that a government-run plan would be a valuable alternative to private insurance. More than 60% thought it would help keep insurance costs down. And 55%, this is the number that's, really upsetting, 55% said it would allow patients to get better care. Now, I'm with you if you think that you're paying too much in health insurance. I totally agree with that. It it gets to be a staggering number every month. Uh, Somehow they find reasons to increase it. Uh, But this is not the alternative because this is starting us down the slippery slope to rationed care. And if you want your mother or grandmother to be told when they arrive in the hospital in an ambulance that no, they can't have uh, cardiac surgery because they're too old or they can't have some other operation or some, or, or they can't have dialysis because they're too old. We are on the path to rationing and this is a very scary time. Um, my guest today, who will explain this to you even better than I can, 
Uh, the, but I have been reading their website, which I will give you at the end of the show, and if you start reading it, you too will see that um, that the plans for physicians, and that means for patients, because if physicians are being uh, treated with all these rules, it is only it only means a compromise for patient care. So my guest today will be on at various times throughout the show. Um, Catherine Sirks, who's the Director of Policy and Public Affairs, but we may have lost her. Catherine, are you there? I am here, Dr. Carroll. Oh, okay. I wondered what that what that sound was of somebody uh, somebody being something hang, being hung up. Um, and Dr. George Watson, he's the President Elect of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, and we will soon be joined by Dr. Mark Kellen, who is the current president. Why don't we uh, start with Dr. Watson, because I, I want to have us all give a little background on who we are, because the the reason why people don't let the messages sink in oftentimes is because they think the messenger uh, has a personal agenda. In particular, they think that, I mean, there have been studies for years now where the public seems to think that doctors make too much money because um, we, are, we are concerned about our pocketbooks. And um, as I have said before on this show and previous shows, um, I personally do not depend upon my income from patients for the largest part of my income. I do lots of other things, write books, serve as an expert witness, uh, and so on. So this is not about me being concerned about about money in terms of patients, but this is me being concerned about about what kinds of care patients will get, what kinds of care the people I care about will get when they get sick, um, and about the public in general sort of being hornswoggled yet again with another Obama plan. I mean, here we're giving out $4,500 for clunkers, and yet we're, we're going to kill patients when they get to be too old or too sick, or maybe, um, I don't know what all the rules are, but you know, maybe if they don't have a high enough intelligence. So, Dr. Watson, why don't you start? Why are you the president-elect? Well, uh, thank you for having me on, Dr. Lieberman. Uh, I, uh, I think I am the president-elect of this organization because they gave me a breath of fresh air six years ago when I first went to a meeting and heard how doctors could opt out of Medicare, how they could cancel their insurance contracts and thrive. And uh, at that time, I was about $200,000 in the hole because of insurance company games. And uh, so uh, they basically threw me a lifeline. I, I took the information that they gave me. I applied it. And I now have probably one of the largest uh, private practices in the city of Wichita, Kansas. And I deal directly with my patients, and they pay me cash, check, or credit card at the time of service. So something must be working right for this practice to have grown so big. Hmm. Now, what's great about Dr. Dr. Watson's practice, though, is that he is able, because he's eliminated all of the bureaucratic nonsense and regulatory hoops that he has to jump through and pay someone to take care of, he's not working as an insurance billing clerk anymore or a government billing clerk. He's working as a doctor, which means then that he can lower the cost of, of his patient visits. He can actually see patients at, at, at a lower rate 
um, and, and sometimes comparable to what they'd be paying for for their uh, for their uh, copayment. Well, let me give you an example. Uh, the uh, the patient can go to the Walmart walk-in clinic and see a nurse practitioner, and they'll be charged fifty nine dollars, and they'll get prescriptions for the drugs that Walmart makes the biggest hmm. markup up on. Hmm. And, and they can come to my office. I just saw a new patient uh, who needs uh, some IV therapy, and uh, my new patient office charge for seeing him, uh, the brief amount of time that I saw him was $50. That's very affordable. So what that brings up is, Dr. Carroll, you pointed it out, is that the, the costs are going up, and nobody likes the fact that the costs are going up. But... What we're going to contend is that one of the big reasons, the big reason for the cost going up is the involvement of third parties. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who are skimming money out of the system for doing very little. Instead of, instead of actually providing care, they're providing paper shuffling. So when we have a practice these days can average, most doctors, if they were to eliminate their government contracts, and their insurance contracts and get rid of that overhead, they can start to eliminate a couple hundred thousand dollars of overhead a year. They also eliminate a lot of time. We've done a survey that shows that doctors spend 25, doctors and their staff spend 25% of their time on Medicare compliance. Hmm. Now notice I didn't say seeing Medicare patients. That's on Medicare compliance. So if they're taking that time out to do that, to do those regulatory hoops, then that's time that they can't spend on patients. Well, now, Catherine, how did you get involved with this? You're the director well, of policy yeah, and public well, affairs. Yeah, how did how did you wind up being there? Well, I've been I've been um, working with AAPS um, about 15 years, um, and AAPS. What I really like about AAPS is that AAPS is a, a physician organization that was founded in 1943 to protect the, pe- the sanctity of the patient-physician relationship. And so AAPS has been working to make sure that the patients are in charge and with consultation with their doctors as opposed to insurance bureaucrats. One of the things that I think is really clear, you brought up an important point about who's, who's out telling, giving you information right now, and I think it's very important that people know whose agenda, who, who has what agenda. Right. And, and AAPS, of all the medical organizations in the, in the country, is very clear about its agenda because AAPS accepts no government grants, it accepts no government funding. It accepts no pharmaceutical funding or any other corporate funding. It is dues-supported. It is member-supported. So this is a physician organization who, which is looking out for patients. So the only, the only horse they have in this race is taking care of patients. Well, okay, How, since what you said just begs the question, since AAPS has been um, around since 1943, how did, I don't mean to, how did it, to make you feel bad, but how did we get into this mess? Why, what is the, what seems to be the problem? Is it physician lethargy? Is it, I mean, and I'm probably guilty of that. It, as I was saying, I, until I read um, the information on your website, first of all, I guess I thought 
that something like this could never happen here, you know. It's kind of like I wrote a book on terrorism, and it's the same kind of dealing with the same kind of denial that people have. I mean, everybody, not just physicians, obviously. Um, but is this sort of physician denial that we that none of us thought when we went to medical school that something like this could ever happen, and so we just think that it's going to blow over? Oh, well, you know, a little bit, but oh, not exactly, I, I hear not the exactly music. <laughs> I hear the music. I guess we're going to have to wait for that answer. But um, we will have it when we come back. My guests are the leaders of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. We've been talking with Dr. George Watson, the president-elect, and Catherine Sirks, the director of policy and public affairs. So stay tuned, and you'll hear more about what's potentially going to be happening with your health. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST right here on the Voice America channel. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain inspired right there. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the real scoop behind Obama's health care plans with the leaders of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. We've been talking with Dr. George Watson, the president-elect, and Catherine Sirks, the Director of Policy and Public Affairs, and we'll be joined now with by Dr. Mark Kellen, who is the current president. Uh, before the break, I was asking the pointed question um, that if AAPS, the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, has been around since 1943, why do we find ourselves in such a mess at this point? Like, why hasn't, you know, have the physicians been in denial? Why... I've, I've been expecting for years um, sort of an uprising. Every time this was, I, I guess, with Hillary Clinton, you know, every time the issue came up, of course, it's never been in the public uh, as much of a threat as it is now, but I keep expecting physicians to strike. So what is the problem, Catherine? Well, I mean, we're, there, there are two things. Number one, doctors are not politically active. Doctors tend to want to follow the rules, and they want to stay in their offices and their hospitals, and they want to take patients. You'll hear it over and over again when you hear doctors talking about it now. They'll say, I've never done this before. I never thought I'd have to do it before, but I feel like I have to speak out. The second thing is I can say it in one word, and it's money. The AMA has outspent, outgunned everybody on this because the AMA is rolling in dough, basically. They have sold out patients and doctors for a seat at the table to negotiate. The AMA has been tossing around $12 million or so a year in lobbying up on the Hill, and the AMA has an interest in preserving it the way it is. Well, so why? Why? I mean, the AMA is, is an association of doctors. Why are they preserving it the way it is in what way? The AMA is really not representing doctors at this point in this country. They represent about 19% of the doctors are members of the AMA now, and most of those who are members of the AMA are either academic medicine or they're medical students or they're retired. So the the bulk of the working office-based doctors are not in the AMA. So they, they really don't. They'll have you believe. They make a whole lot of money because all the doctors out in the country and around the, many countries around the world have to use the AMA code books. And with a, that, so the AMA makes a lot more money off of their publishing and those contracts than they do from their membership dues. So they've had a lot of money to spend. And they have, they, they have by, by giving the impression that doctors are behind this, um, people have really been misled. That's what's also pushing doctors now finally to speak out. They're angry. Um, Dr. Dr. Kellen, you might want to talk about, he's heard from doctors uh, that, that they want to move to dump the AMA, even though our, our focus right now isn't, isn't on the AMA maybe or what's happened, but, but it's what people need to do and what's going on and what's, what's in the bills. Um, and, and yes, of- yes. I think we do need to talk about what some of these rules are that um, that the 
that the Obama plan includes, and this would be a good chance for Dr. Kellen to come in. Welcome to the show. Um, Dr. Kellen is an anesthesiologist and, and uh, was serving his patient uh, um, before he was able to come on the show. Um, what, first of all, just give a quick background as to why you became the president of this organization and what you stand for. Well, thanks, Carol. It's nice to be with you today. Um, I got involved with the AAPS just for some things Catherine mentioned. Uh, it, it became very obvious that the AMA no longer was interested in protecting the, the doctors and the patients and their day-to-day practices. Uh, they clearly had some other ulterior motive that was driving their, their day-to-day function. Okay, and so what, what, why are you, I mean, so what is it that you would like to see? Why are you, I mean, obviously being, especially now, being the president takes a lot of your time. Why are you doing it? Because it's important for, for my generation, my children's generation, and uh, for the senior citizens of America today is that we need to change our system. Uh, no one denies that reform doesn't need to take place. Unfortunately, uh, what we need is reform that's patient-centered, not third-party centered, and that's why I get involved is I want my children to grow up in a world where they have the ability to control their resources, to take care of themselves, that they're not every day dependent upon some bureaucrat in Washington or an insurance company executive making the decision on what their medical care should be. Yes, well, let's talk about that now. Um, what what are some of the, of the parts of this policy? I mean, it's kind of like... Uh, the deficits, the um, uh, stimulus package, where uh, it was so thick that even the congressmen weren't able to uh, to read it all. I mean, the, the same thing with the medical bills. There's so much to it that that this is a way of disguising it, so that both the people in Congress and the public don't really know what they're in for until it's going to happen. So, tell us some of the things that you're most concerned about in this bill. The problem is that, and there's some things that are actually aren't in the bill that are causing a lot of problems, but let's talk about the bill first. There are two big bugaboos in, in the House bill and probably what will come out of the Senate. First of all, there's a requirement for a public plan, which will be a government plan, government insurance, government subsidized insurance. The second part is a mandate, an individual and an employer mandate requiring everyone to have insurance. Now, let's start with that first. A mandate. Everybody says we have to cover everybody in the country. Everybody has to have insurance. Here's the problem. Having an insurance policy, having a piece of paper that says you're covered doesn't mean you get medical care. Mm -hmm. Somebody in Canada who's been waiting 18 months for a hip operation, they have universal insurance there, but you can't find anybody to treat you. And what we know now is that doctors are already bailing out. There aren't going to be doctors to treat people if this goes down the road. And I'm going to have to do this. I've got to throw some math at you. I apologize for doing it. But doctors are already refusing Medicare patients now. That's the version of government medicine we have now. More than one, about one-third of doctors refuse to see new Medicare patients right now. Do you really think that that's going to get any better when we have a mandate from the government. And here's the thing that's really key about that. We're back to the AMA. The AMA is saying it's all about money, that if we just give doctors a little bit of raise, then that problem will be solved. But that's not true. Our survey shows that 
Money is about the fifth reason that doctors give for wanting to bail out of Medicare and these government programs. It's about the hassle factor, the paperwork, the threat of prosecution from the government. Dr. Kellen Dr. and Dr. George can tell you that what they have to go through and, and the reason that Dr. George got out, it's the hassle factor. That's not going to change. What, what now, are the, the top? Um, the hassle factor is one. What are the other ones? Um... The threats from government, they all they go into that stage. They go into the, the, the amount of paperwork, um, things like that, that all contribute to the hassle factor. Mm-hmm. And then money was number five. Now, let's go to the other side, and we talk about the public plan. This is where most people are really concerned, because if we have a public plan, what happens is the government-subsidized plan will essentially mean the end of private insurance. So if you have a private plan now, that insurance company probably won't have that plan around eventually because it does what we call crowds out. It's just like in Medicare. When Medicare started, it's voluntary, but when you look now, there are no insurance plans for people um, for, who qualify for Medicare. There's med sub plans that are for what Medicare doesn't cover, but there's no First dollar coverage or plans. Mm. So that's what will happen with that. Now, a thing that I think that your your um, audience would be really concerned about are some issues that address patient privacy and access, and that's already passed in the stimulus bill. That's this thing called comparative effectiveness research, where they're getting to get they have a national health board of people appointed who are going to crunch numbers and make decisions about what is cost-effective treatment. You said at the top you worried about whether your mom would be too old for treatment or your grandmother. It's not just about whether your mom's too old. It's whether you cost too much Mm. and and aren't a cost-efficient patient. And the way that they're going to get all the data to make those decisions, of course, as a psychiatrist, you, you, you know the answer to this. They're going to throw everybody's medical records into a national database to crunch the numbers for the federal government. Those are some of the really scary things coming up. And, Dr. Lieberman, to go back in history, the same methodology was was used to determine who went to the ovens in the concentration camps. Uh, And this was not the Jewish people. This was the German citizens. They had a health board set up that reviewed cost of care and length of care, and based on those determinations, someone who had never seen the patient decided that uh, they were costing society too much. That's that's how spooky this whole uh, proposal is of uh, Mr. Obama. And and I, I have to say again here that uh, uh, Mr. Obama and uh, Ms. Pelosi and Mr. Reed have made the wrong diagnosis. It isn't the uh, need to get more insurance. The need is to change the insurance system so that individuals own their own insurance policies. Then the patient is empowered to make their own decisions, not the government. They need to have uh, health savings accounts. They need to have uh, the ability to purchase insurance across state lines so that uh, there will be competitiveness. But when the leadership in the House and the Senate and and in the presidency make the wrong diagnosis, they're going to cause more uh, harm than good. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, you, you know, it is a very scary uh, comparison. I mean, it is true what you said about uh, I mean, deciding deciding who goes into the oven for their for because if they cost too much. I mean, it's true that it could be a young child who has cancer, for example. I guess I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. If you know if, if it's clear yet how they make these decisions, whether they've set a list of rules as to uh, who gets what. We'll talk more about that when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today with the leaders of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. I will give out that website when we come back and uh, well, at the end of the show and because I don't want you to stop listening. This is all too important, and you can find out even more. And it all it, it is so scary. We all have to take some kind of action rather than when you go to the clinic one day and find out, too bad, you're not worth saving. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. 
If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host. Um, today we're giving you the real scoop behind Obama's health care plans, and it's very scary. My guests are the leaders of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Um, we have Dr. Mark Kellen, who's the president of the organization, Dr. George Watson, the president-elect, and Catherine Sirks, the director of policy and public affairs. Dr. Kellen, um, you did a town hall last night, and so you're right off the front lines in terms of hearing what people have to say. What what did they have to say? Well, basically, uh, uh, about half the room was of Medicare age, about half the room wasn't, and uh, they were able to ask questions for a period of time, and, and a common question from the senior citizens, a common concern was, was a real fear in their voice that you know, they feel alive and, and like they're contributing to society and doing things, but they're afraid somebody's going to tell them at some point, I'm sorry, you're not, it's not worth fixing your hip, or I'm sorry, you have this infection of your lungs, and... Uh, I know you've been at, you had a good life, but it's going to take too much money to treat you, so it's just not worth it. Here's some morphine for your comfort, and uh, don't bother us. Yes, and and what about the people who were not senior citizens? Well, they actually were very concerned that they would lose their health insurance coverage. The uh, you know they like they they like what they have now. Admittedly, it, it costs too much, but they but they like the fact that their insurance. Uh, is there? They like the fact that they have they can pick their doctor. They have a, a number of choices that are available, and and they see rightly that that Mr. Obama's promise that you can keep your health insurance is a false promise. It only applies to the next couple of years. In uh, as of January first, two thousand thirteen, a lot of those plans will disappear because the new government mandated benefits will make them no longer eligible. Hmm. So um, what were you able to do in this town hall meeting? I, I mean, did you whip people into a frenzy and get them to do something? Oh, I'm not the frenzy sort of person. <laughs> I did encourage them to write letters, and, and there's some websites where they can um, gain information and, and communicate with Congress, and, and that sort of action is really something they, they were interested in doing as well. There's been a big push for various petitions, and there have been two town meetings. Uh, there, there are town meetings everywhere all the time. I was at two Saturday in Atlanta. Um, people are really rising up now, particularly led by the Tea Party Patriots, have been doing a really good job. But there are petitions for people to sign. If they go to the website, we have lists of, of various petitions, and I tell you, Sign them all, but we now have more than a million signatures on the various petitions opposing the government medicine takeover. Hmm. There yeah. is, I mean, there, the people people are getting it. Um, that's why the the vote was 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 delayed. Um, what we need to do is during this break. Um, while Congress is out of session, we need to urge people to do a couple things. There's some steps because it's really frustrating to hear about these problems and not be told what to do yes, or how you yes. can help fix it. Number one, sign these petitions and get on the record. Number two, go to some of these other websites like the White House website and tell them that you, you oppose it. Um, we've got those types of websites mm. posted too. Number three, get your doctors involved. We have a petition specifically for doctors to sign at takebackmedicine.com. Take that for people, please. Get your doctors. To, they, not everybody's going to speak at a town meeting, but they can sure sign a petition and get your doctors because 
the country and the Hill in Washington, D.C., is really looking for doctors for leadership, and we have to make sure that it's not the AMA that's being listened to, that it's real doctors who actually take care of patients and are on the front lines. So those are those are just a few steps. Another thing, go to a town meeting of your of your representatives while they're out of session and ask them, ask them if they're going to support this, and ask them if they will at least commit to reading it before they vote on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they should be given a test, you know, before they're allowed to vote, just like in school where you have to show that you even know what you're voting for before you can vote. Um, having even making them, you know, have to initial the page. Another thing that I have jokingly called for this week is after watching President Obama's um, beer summit last Friday, oh, I said maybe what, maybe what we ought to do is throw a congressional kegger and put, <laughs> you know, beer out on the around the Capitol, and we could all get together and talk over kegs of beer and see if we. Out, yes, no. I, I thought that was just unbelievable. So un—I mean, it was just it, beyond words. It was just uh, just terrible. Um, okay, these are some really good suggestions. Um, you know, I, I think not to. We we kind of went over without really comment, or I didn't comment anyway, on what you were saying before about privacy. Um, and I think patients need to, I don't think people understand that either. That, And you said that that was already passed. Is that right? Yeah. The, the stimulus bill um, set up the funding for health information technology and this National Health Board to already study the comparative effectiveness research. Um, and as I said, what the way that they'll figure out what are effective treatments, cost-effective treatments, is by ga- capturing everybody's medical data and putting it into a national database. Okay, but not all doctors, ha- I mean, have have provided this um, this information. Is there going to be some kind of um, I mean, it's one thing to set aside money for technology, and it's another thing to compel all the doctors to actually provide this information because that's against, um, you know, it's against HIPAA. It's against our confidentiality rules. No, it's not against HIPAA. HIPAA requires, um, it has exceptions for treatment pays, um, payment and operations, and the government um, provision, this would, this would qualify under operations. And remember, under HIPAA, patients don't have consent over where their medical records go anymore. They could just are advised where their medical records go. So, no, the government has a full has the full legal authority to require those records. Another area of concern for privacy is that, you know, if we have this insurance mandate that says that you have to have insurance, well, they're going to need to check and see if you have insurance. And if you don't have insurance, then they will have authority to actually go into your bank account and deduct money to pay for your penalty for your insurance. Oh, wow. So, Dr. Kellen, one of the places that I think that, and perhaps you are um, already doing this, I, I mean, I think I did see some things on your website, um, it would seem to me that medical students, I mean, medical students and, and residents would be the ones who might be, who, you know, who have their whole career ahead of them, um, might be ones who could be tapped to become proactive in this as far as, like, leading strikes and so on. What, Dr. Kellen, has been your experience with this? Well, you, you, with medical students, they're very receptive to new ideas, and that's basically the, the world of a student. And, and we talk to medical students frequently. We have a medical school in town, and there's always uh, some of the medical students that, that realize that, oh, you are correct, that 
patient-centered healthcare is far superior to what most of our professors are teaching us. There's a downside to the medical students. There's a number of them that are being really, they're buying this whole collective community medicine thing uh, very seriously. And so you get things in the bill like counseling for end-of-life care every five years where senior citizens are sat in a room and said, here, you've got to think about end-of-life, you've got to think about ending your life. And you create a breed of medical students who, who don't treat patients anymore. They treat society. And so if you're, if you're not of value to society, they won't take care of you. It's a very dangerous thing for your, for your doctor to feel inside. It's almost, it turns the, the medical, the patient-physician relationship into almost a veterinary clinic. You know, you, wow. you have your puppy you love, you bring him to the vet, but the puppy doesn't get any choices. Wow. But, but you usually do a good job because you love your puppy. Well, when the patient's there with the doctor and suddenly the government is the master and the patient is the puppy, well, the government doesn't love the puppy. So you don't get that same care, but it really, really is scary what the future could be with, with medical students trained under, under the provisions of this bill. So there are provisions, I mean, I haven't heard, that, that people, senior citizens have to meet every five, well, to, what do you mean to plan end of life? Like to plan when they are going to voluntarily end their life, when they decide they're sick enough or infirm enough? Well, well the purpose of its advanced directives are, are when you sit down and you say, you know, if I'm in a bad car accident and yes. I don't have any hope for survival, yes. I don't want to be kept alive for a long period of time. Well, that's your personal choice, but, but they're really taking that concept and turning it on its, on its head by, by putting in people's minds the idea that you would voluntarily end your life yes. if, if uh, you're becoming a burden to society. That's the danger of that, per, that part of the, the bill. Well, you know, the, the whole linchpin for this or the, the quiet inception for this um, came about, I mean, I'm sure it started years ago on, on quieter levels, but the whole Terry Schiavo case that I was actually involved in um, on behalf of her parents where um, I was involved as an expert witness in the appeal. Of course, unfortunately, uh, the judge refused to hear what any more experts had to say because he just wanted to kill her. But... Um, but that was the whole, you know, that issue right there where I must say at least Bush and Congress did get involved to, to try to help her. Um, that was where some of this started, where it became so easy to decide that someone's life, and she was a young woman, that someone's life was just not, was too costly to society or that her husband um, had the, the right to decide that, that she didn't have to live anymore, she shouldn't live anymore. And, and he was, the husband and the lawyer of the husband and the judge were all connected to this Florida group that are very interested in ending life early. I know the music is playing and I have to shut up, but <laughs> this is such an important issue, the whole thing. We'll come back. I'm talking with the leaders of the Association of the American Physicians and Surgeons. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. 
Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Son, we got to talk about drinking. Uh, I know. I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't, yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you, giving you the real scoop behind Obama's health care plans. And if you're not pulling your hair out yet, uh, keep listening. My guests are the leaders of the Association of the American Physicians of American Physicians and Surgeons. Um, Dr. Um, Watson had to go actually treat a patient right now, so we lost him. But we still have Dr. Kellen, and who's the president of the organization, and Catherine Sirks, who's the director of policy and public affairs. Um, I just want to ask Dr. Kellen something. Do you think? Have you seen in all of your talks and so on that um, doctors, the doctors who do get it and realize how scary this is potentially, uh, are they saying? What are they saying they're going to do besides get out of medicine? Are are doctors talking about becoming boutique, uh, having boutique medical practices, or becoming concierge doctors, or what? Are, or moving to another country? What are they talking about? 
Well, they're basically looking for a way to preserve their independence, and, and, and they really fear that their ability to take care of their patients is going to be severely restricted. So they're doing the things you just mentioned. But in addition, they're realizing that the number one way is to just completely shed all third parties and just say, this is my office, and uh, my, my office visit is $40 or whatever they charge, and uh, see paper, patients on a completely cash basis. Yes, and you have, um, your organization has programs that actually teach physicians how to do that. And I guess, I mean, that's one solution. The more physicians actually learn that this is possible, um, the, that would be an effective way of, of sort of uh, avoiding the government plan. It's certainly the way that I do business. Um, I, as a psychiatrist, years ago when managed care started coming into play and um, I joined a couple of them just to see what it was like and quickly got out of them because there was no way that I wanted a social worker or anyone for that matter telling me how many visits I can give to patients or whether these patients are really depressed enough, you know, or whether they're going to kill themselves or not um, and need some more visits when I'm the one sitting across from the patient and know how many visits that the patient needs. So, um so, you know, yes. you just hit it on the head, Dr. Carroll. Um, it, it, we had a real backlash against managed care from patients in the 90s. And now if, we, if the government medicine is passed, as it's outlined now, what we'll basically have is the worst of the things that people hated about managed care, and it will be administered by government bureaucrats. Now, if that is not a deadly duo, I don't know what is. Yes, Absolutely. And, and also the fact that there aren't going to be, I, I read this on your website, there aren't going to be any doctors on this comparative, effective research board, is that what it's called? Making right. these decisions about, you know, who's, what, what kind of care people are going to get. There are 15 people appointed by the president. There's not a single doctor on board right now. Which not in a- itself is so telling. I mean, why would there not be a doctor? Well, it's because... Go ahead. It's because that their focus, and that tells you their focus is not taking care of people. Their their focus is saving money and making all decisions based on pure economics. Do you know what kinds of uh, professions the people are in who are on this board? I don't know, but if I, I, I mean, I can't remember. Um, what I what I wanted to bring up there, though, is that we're talking about. Uh, again, about saving money, and we're being told that by getting the government involved that it will save money, that we'll have administrative simplification. Here's the deal. According to our doctors in our survey, it costs doctors 50% more to process a government um, insurance claim, a Medicare or Medicaid insurance claim, than it does to process a private insurance claim. So when they say that having the government run this or the government being being the administrative hub of all of this, it's just not true. Yes. It actually costs more when the government, they, they, the hopes for administrative simplification are so overblown. Yes. There's no statistical evidence for it. Yes, they, I remember having done that years ago. I don't do that anymore because it started costing me more uh, time and money to collect the money that was the little money that was due me from, you know, what the government decided these different sessions should be worth that it, I just had to stop. And I think that's what doctors are going to find. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to comment on was that it seems to me that it isn't a coincidence that 
this is being brought out now when our country is in such an economic uh, downslide, or at least maybe it's not sliding anymore, they say, but a slump, let's put it that way, um, that people who are out of jobs, and you know there are more people out of jobs than, than except for the Depression, the Great Depression, um, are much more receptive to the idea that the government, big mommy or big daddy, is going to take care of my health needs when they're afraid that they won't be able to pay their insurance, that they've lost their insurance and they won't be able to pay for health care on their own. So it's like it's a perfect storm, but so people are sort of looking at it for the short term and not realizing what an impact this will have on their life in the future. Yeah, well, Dr. Kellen can, can talk about this, but basically, well, it, the problem with this now really points up this third-party system that we have. Patients essentially don't own their own insurance policy. It's employer-based. Dr. Kellen, I know that that's, a, that's something that... That's, that's, yeah, Dr. Kellen, we have like two minutes, so go ahead. Okay, here's, here's the, the dumbest thing we've done in the last 50 years is tie insurance to your job, because the first thing that's going to happen when you get sick, really sick is you're going to lose your job. Yes. Yes. So, so they need to change the law so civic clubs or churches could be the buying group. Mm, now yeah. when you lose your job, it's no big deal because your insurance group is, say, your church or the, the Elks Club or the local VFW, and you, you don't lose it. And you don't see strong increases as you move out of the, the employment-based system. So if, if we would just increase patients' freedom by allowing them to, to associate with whatever group they wish for their insurance, then you don't have these little... Uh, dislocations that people so fear. Yes. And, you know, we must be honest about something. There are a few bad, rotten apples that have spoiled the, the bunch or whatever that saying is. There are, it's a very, very minuscule, comparatively, a minuscule amount of doctors who do take advantage and do overbill, and whether it's through the government insurance, you know, Medicare or Medicaid or Medi-Cal or not, um, and that gives this false impression to the public at large that doctors as a whole are are overbilling. When in fact, uh, more and more these days, you know, doctors are so getting so depressed and so disillusioned because they're not able to even eke out a living uh, with the high costs of, of malpractice and so on, and and these. Um, ha- having to employ people to secretaries and billing clerks and all that to do the paperwork, they can't even make a living, no less, you know, be be rich. So, oh, that's the music. Um, we'll have to, I'll have to have you on again. You are all fabulous, and, and the public can't hear enough of this because we have to all rise up and do something. I want to give out the the website. It's www.aapson, no, aapsonline.org, aapsonline.org. That stands for Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And I'd like to thank my guests, Dr. Mark Kellen, the president of the organization, uh, Catherine Sirks, the director of policy and public affairs, and Dr. George Watson, the president-elect of AAPS. And please go to their website. You'll see more information than we could cover in an hour. And please write your congressman, um, sign the petitions on the website. Go to the White House website and, and put in your opposition to this. And doctors who are listening, go to takebackmedicine.com and sign your petition. And I'll be the first on the, um, on the strike line if you, once you start organizing that. So thank you all very much for for being my guest, and thank you all for listening, and please do something. You don't want to find out 
that uh, they think that you've had enough time on this earth. Thank you all for listening. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.